This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dirt and Sprague on Football Friday on 1080 The Fan. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the a and Sportsbook. Watch the games in the region's largest video wall and wager on your team at the a and Sportsbook. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. Hey, welcome back in. Hour number two. Dirt and Sprague here on a Friday. Happy Friday to you. 99.5 HD2, the Odyssey app. Sprague's out today. Swag's out today. They both went up to the Seahawks game last night. Sure had a great time. Jordan Schultz in with me. Hanging out. We're having a great time. I hope they got drunk last night. I hope they did, too. I think they did. I think they enjoyed Good. themselves. That area, I you know, there is that uh, little, brother, little, brother, little brother energy from time to time with Portland and Seattle. I, whenever you're up there, whether it's at a Mariner game, kind of walking around, or a Seahawks game, because that, that, that area around the stadium is so fun. And I'm so jealous every time I'm up there. Like, you guys get to do this whenever you want. It is so cool. There's an NFL game almost every weekend. I mean, every other weekend, you get eight home games a year. That's badass. You get 81 baseball home games with all these bars and restaurants around the stadium. Be careful where you park. I got the window out of my car smashed yeah. out at a Mariners game. Yeah, that's a lot an of issue. Stolen, but, you know, just just maybe pay a little extra and then go drink. It's fine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was it. trying to cheap it out, so don't do that. <laughs> Actually, $10 for your spot. It's worth it. Yes. Uh, somebody texted in, and, you know, I think this is a fascinating debate. And Who knows? It's the NFL playoffs, so maybe we don't even end up getting it. Right, like it, watch us end up getting like a Lions Commanders NFC Championship game. I don't know if it's mathematically possible, but it's the NFL. Crazy ass happens, right? But somebody said Pur- uh, Purdy and Hurts versus good, great defenses. I got to lean Hurts there, and I don't blame me at all for having that opinion. Like I think Hurts is better than Brock Purdy. I saying Hurts is a byproduct of Philly. I'm not trying to downgrade him as a quarterback or say he's not good. He's absolutely an incredibly talented player. Um, the the only pushback argument that I have there is that I think Purdy has more to work with. Now, that is, you know, leaning on Debo Samuel being back at some point, which it sounds like he will. But that, to me, is what makes Purdy's life so easy. It's not just that he's got a good defense. Um, it's that he's got Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and McCaffrey. And, I'm, you know, Philly's got a ton of weapons, too, man. Their wide receivers on the outside. Getting Brown was huge. He's having a monstrous year. Devonta Smith's a great young wide receiver. Uh, so they got Sanders is good in the backfield. So, there's a ton of talent around him. I think I would take the San Francisco 49ers' weapons over anybody in the NFL, probably, when you look at wide receiver room, tight end room, and running back room. 
Um, and, and that, to me, leans a little bit towards Purdy. Just his life is easier because he's got guys that are number one in the NFL in, in yards after catch. Like, you don't have to do a lot. You throw it, they catch it, and they pick up an extra 10 to 15 yards, it feels like, every single time. Uh, good, good world will be living in for both those guys. Let's talk about the, the losing side of last night. You know, it was a tough one for Seattle. So the Seahawks lose. They have now lost, what, four out of five, I want to say, the streak has come to. Thing, things are not going well here at the end of the year for Seattle. I do like a couple of messages of good news and and one cautionary warning that I do have that I'm sure Seahawks fans will disagree with. One is like you are way ahead of schedule from where you should have been. Seattle coming into the year was supposed to be, by all the expert predictions, one of the worst teams in the NFL. We all thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. They traded away Russell Wilson. You're starting over. It's a Drew Locke. It's a Geno Smith. Like Seattle is going to suck this year. And that didn't end up happening. You, you've been pretty good. You're, you're 500. Your playoff chances are not mathematically done yet, although the schedule going forward is incredibly challenging because you got to go to Kansas City next Saturday, and then you get the Jets at home, and the Chiefs are just really tough to beat, and the Jets might be playing for their playoff lives when you got to play them on, on January 1st. And then you close up with the Rams, which should be a winnable game, but the last time you played the Rams, you damn near lost to them. You needed a last-second touchdown in order to beat them. So I, I don't like your chances at this point to make the playoffs because of the landscape of the NFC and because of how challenging your schedule is. But you're way ahead of where you were supposed to be. You had a great draft last year where you feel awesome about the guys that you went out and got. You know, Cross, I know, look, last night's a tough matchup, man. <laughs> Having to block Joey Bosa is not easy to do. He had a rough night. Uh, but Walker has been an amazing young rookie running back. You feel like maybe you've answered the other offensive tackle position in Lucas. Bryant has filled in and played great. Woolen has how many picks this year, right, coming in right away and playing in your secondary. You're a young team that is overachieving this season, and that's a really good place to be. I would also argue that losing last night and losing the last couple of games of the regular season is probably the best thing for you. Like, I I know that fans care about making the playoffs, and we've been through this debate a million times with the Blazers. Would you rather get to the playoffs and be a seven seed or an eight seed and get swept in the first round? Would you rather be in the lottery? Like That's a constant thing that happens in NBA circles. But I, I feel as adamantly in the NBA as I do in the NFL. Like The Seahawks getting in as the last seed in the playoffs. Your first playoff game, you know who it would be against at the, as of this point? If you snuck in as the seven seed, you know who you'd play in the first round? The San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. Do you do you want to see that movie again? You've played them twice, and I believe you've scored one touchdown. Did they get a touchdown the first time they played them? Uh, they did. Excuse me. My apologies. They have scored two touchdowns in eight quarters against San Francisco. Like, you're not winning that game on the road in the playoffs. And so, I to me, this was the, almost a perfect scenario where you were competitive, you've had a good season, and now the wheels are kind of coming off at the end of the year, and you got a chance to land Denver's number two overall draft pick or number three overall draft pick, depending on how their season ends. And you have a chance to work your way into a top 10 pick. Like, think looking at the way you hit on your draft last year and getting guys that you feel like are going to be franchise cornerstones going forward. If you have the opportunity to go land two more of those guys or trade one of those picks and accumulate more future first round picks, which I'm sure Seattle would love to do. They're like Farmer Fran rubbing their nipples, getting all excited about more first round picks. Like, that's Seattle to a T. That's how you build a roster. Like, you're not one more year away from competing at the highest level in the NFC, in my mind. You're probably two, three years away of good drafting, developing these guys, spending your money wisely. And there's no reason you can't get there in a couple of years. So, I actually looked at last night as the perfect result for Seattle. Competitive, close loss, wheels are coming off, but now you got a chance to finish with two top 10 picks, and that is huge. The warning that I have for them is on Geno Smith. And I know this might be controversial. <laughs> I don't know if I'd give him the contract. I don't know. I 
Ooh. I don't know if I'd do it, man. I I would be worried about what I have seen late in the season from him. Like he he came so out of nowhere at the start of the year where we didn't even know in August if he was gonna be the guy. Pete Carroll dragged that all the way to the start of the season. Drew Locke might be the starter. We need to give him more rep. And then Drew Locke was horrible in the preseason. It's like, you can't start this guy. NFL teams have film on him. They've they've adjusted a little bit. You've seen when you take away a bit of the run game that there's there's not a lot there in the passing game. He he should have thrown a, a pick six last night. Can we highlight that? How bad that roughing the passer call was? God, we need to get rid of that in football. Uh, I just I would be very cautious with that. He is 32 going on 33 years old. You, the rest of your roster, outside of maybe a Lockett who's been around a while, DK has been a, a couple of years, but Lockett's been there a little bit longer. The rest of your roster is in this like younger window where you're drafting guys and Walker and Cross and Lucas and Bryant and Wool and all these guys I'm highlighting. They're younger players, so that's kind of a, a you got a younger window with a 33, 34 year old quarterback. If you're going to sign him to a three or four year deal. I, I just I would exercise caution if I'm Seattle. And one, see how the last three games of the regular season go. Does he snap out of this? Do we get a couple of those games that we saw from earlier in the year from Geno? And I'm not putting last night on him. I just think this is now like a three or four game sample size where Seattle has not been able to elitely run the football and he's looked fine. But is that the kind of guy that I want to give $35 million a year to when he's not sensing pressure, he's taking sacks, he's turning the football over like ah. I don't know, man. You have the ability to franchise tag him if you want. You can just slap that on him for a year and then see how it goes from there. But I, I don't know. I'm not saying don't pay him. I know I'm fence-sitting a little bit. But I would just just be cautious with how you handle this. You know, I, I see what you're saying. And actually, I think I agree. The, the kind of surge of Kenneth Walker at the beginning of the season, then kind of the fall-off and just kind of making their running game inconsistent, I think has affected Geno a little bit in Seattle. What are we looking at, like a three- or four-year deal, $100, 120000000 million probably? Yeah, paying him $30, 35000000 million a year. Yeah, that's, I don't know, man, because he's 38 when that ends. You, you wonder how much guaranteed money he's going to get. I, I like your take. I'm going to go even a little bit more controversial. You just got to blow the whole thing up, man. Get rid of Pete Carroll. He's 71 years old. <laughs> just get moving. You're saying that the Seahawks aren't going to be competitive for the next two or three seasons. I agree with you. Why are you going to be trying to march back into the NFC playoffs with a 74-year-old Pete Carroll if that's when you're going to be competitive? And along with that, if you don't think they're going to be competitive for two, three, four seasons, then, yeah, they're going to be paying Geno Smith to do nothing for three years. But I, I'm going even more controversial than you, and I'm sure I'm going to get some massive hate from Seahawks fans on the test, text line for saying, <laughs> this it's not anything against Pete Carroll personally it's just sometimes it's time to move on you know when to move on and right now feels right <laughs> new voice in the locker room let's go right off in your Corvette Mr. Carroll we appreciate you yeah that is that has been one that's kind of lingered with Seattle I, he he bought himself some time I think with the way Russell Wilson really struggled this year and the fact that they overachieved I think a lot of people at the end of the Russell Wilson era and I know I was one of them saying like why are you sticking with the 70 something year head coach instead of an all-pro quarterback and it's like, well, joke's on me. Russell Wilson sucks, and Pete Carroll is still an okay head coach. But I see the larger point that you're making of, like, at some point, there did you probably should turn the page there and see what other, what other options are out there. I mean, you just look at whatever metric you want to point to for Geno, and I know some of this stuff, people buy into stats, some people don't. I, I don't want to get too analytical, but you look at his, like, quarterback rating and his QBR, two metrics that you judge quarterback performance by. And, like, over the last month, over the last four or five games, he has had – 
the worst numbers he's had all season. And I think it's I think it's twofold. It's one what you're pointing out, and that is they have not been able to run the football dominantly like they did earlier in the season. Walker got hurt. You've had some other injuries. Like you just you haven't been a great running team, and so a lot of it has fallen on his shoulders. He's had to attempt more passes than he did earlier in the season. He's up in the high 30s, low 40s over most of the last month. Uh, and the other part of it, I do think, is teams have film on you now. Like they understand some of your weaknesses. They understand when you're prone to make mistakes. It's no different than what we go through with rookie quarterbacks going from year one to year two. Like okay. You showed what you have on film. Now we know what your strengths are. We're going to take those away. Where do you like to throw the football? Okay, where are your weaknesses? Where can you not throw the football? And we're going to make you make those throws. And if you can't, you're not going to cut it in the NFL. And by no means am I trying to say that he's the reason they've lost four out of five. They've been banged up. And it's not a, it's not an elite roster around him. It's a very young, inexperienced roster. I just think it's a different conversation when you're talking about, like, hey, feel-good story, man. This is awesome. Really cool for Geno Smith. And then giving him four years, $120 million. Like those are two different things to me, um, and we'll see what Seattle ends up doing. But a little bit of the shine has come off. I, they kind of are who we thought they were, but a little bit better, right? To go full Denny Green on you, they are who we thought they were. Uh, I'm not going to crown their ass, but it's been a, it's been a fun season in Seattle. Likely came to an end last night. We'll see. Maybe they shocked the world over the, over the next three weeks. But to get back to my initial point, like I, to me, that's not a bad thing. I would want to tank the last three weeks, end up with a top 10 pick. You're building for the future, man. It is incredibly bright. They got all sorts of first-round picks coming from Denver, second-round picks coming from Denver, man. You got a chance to totally rebuild this roster thanks to that Russell Wilson trade. Loaded draft this year, too. It's a loaded draft, man. You can get Jalen Carter with a second overall pick. They don't have anybody on the defensive line. You get that kid right out of the gate. Whew. And then you get another pick in the top 10. What other need do you have? Go get it. You need a wide receiver. You want another offensive lineman, another linebacker, whatever the hell you want, man. They got a chance to rebuild the roster. So the future, I think, is incredibly bright in Seattle. I just, I am, I'm just saying be cautious. Let's see what Gino does over the next three weeks. I'm really curious to see how his season ends and what kind of contract uh, he ends up getting from Seattle. Uh, let's keep going in the NFL. There's one quarterback out there to me that has not been talked about, and I, I, I find this interesting. And so I want to dive into that next. We'll get to the Vegas Bowl coming up bottom of the hour. Uh, back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. No, dude, get right to the meat. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Alien Sportsbook. On 1080 The Fan. Ah, it's an all-time classic. I have, I have one now about swallowing that I'm not going to live down for a long time. I love that my first drop on this station was involving something phallic. It's get fantastic. To the, get to the meat, man. Get to the meat, bro. Get to the meat. That's what, our, that's what our boss tells us, okay? Don't fart around at the start of the segment. You open the segment, you get right to the meat. That's what we do around here, okay? Uh, speaking of that, I do want to read a couple of thoughts here from Seahawks fans. I want to get to a quarterback in a moment. I still need to talk about the Vegas Bowl. Are you a soccer guy? I, I'm going to be watching the World Cup final on Sunday, okay. but I'm not really a major soccer I need guy. somebody to give me what I need to know about the World Cup final. and I <sighs> No, I'm not the guy. Sorry, brother. All right, well, I'm going to set you up to be the guy anyways. You know, okay. that's what we do. You fake it till you make it in this industry. <laughs> that's right. That's how we operate. I'm soccer guy here on 1080 hey, The Fan. Jordan Schultz, big soccer fan. Heard he's a big, big <laughs> soccer guy. Huge. Been rooting for the Timbers <laughs> since I was seven. Uh, a couple of thoughts here at the fan text line. Uh, was really hoping to sneak into the playoffs, but honestly, everything after beating Russ was icing on the cake. Like, yeah, dude, you won. You won the divorce game. You know how much I would have killed for an Oregon-Miami game this year for Oregon to be able to beat Miami? Like, that's the dream. He broke up with you, and he got ugly, and you got better looking. Like, that, you're living the dream. So don't worry about not making the playoffs. Uh, another one said, I've been uh, saying all year, offer Geno two years and uh, $25 million a year. I think that's a totally fair contract. If, if you can get Geno in the – I don't want it longer than two years. I, I don't. If you if you tell me you're not in love with one of the quarterbacks in this year's draft, because that's the other part of this. Like, we have to acknowledge that Seattle is going to have the second or third likely overall pick in the NFL draft. And so there is probably going to be one of the other teams that is up there with you is Chicago. Chicago, I believe, still has a number one pick. I don't know why they wouldn't. They've traded away uh, other players to acquire more picks. Chicago is not going to take a quarterback. They have Justin Fields, and they're going to find somebody else to build around Justin Fields. And so... You you're gonna have the chance to get likely C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, and I don't. Maybe those guys don't knock your socks off, and you don't want to take them because your scouts are telling you don't do it. But if your scouts are telling you those guys are the real deal, like you have to take advantage of that opportunity. How hilarious would that be if your trade for Russell Wilson ends up landing you your next franchise quarterback in the pick from the Broncos? We all thought maybe Seattle would suck so much that they would get a top three pick out of trading Russell Wilson, and you can go draft your next guy. It being the Broncos pick would be hilarious to be able to land one of those two. I don't know what their scouts are saying about him, but that's the other part of it you have to keep in mind. Uh, a correction, too, from a listener. So the first time San Francisco and Seattle played, they, it was 27-7 was the final, and I mentioned Seattle had scored two touchdowns against the 49ers. The touchdown in the first game was a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Oh, yeah, I forgot about so that. So they only have one offensive touchdown in eight quarters against San Francisco. Again, highlighting, do you really want the seventh seed? I don't want to play that team in the playoffs. It's not going to end well for you. And somebody said, Hawks fan here, pretty much what I expected last night. Niners defense is filled. Looking forward to next year. And that's a good philosophy. I mean, the Niners, the Niners are stacked, man. Their defense is the best in the NFL. How ta- They are so talented at every level, it's mind-blowing. How good their pass rush is, their front seven, you cannot run the football on them. And I think they have a couple of weaknesses in the secondary, but what overcomes that is they're so good against the run that they're constantly forcing you into third and long, and then, oh, hey, by the way, here's the best pass rush in the league, and I don't need guys that can have to cover for seven seconds. You only got to cover for three because Bosa's getting home. You got to get rid of the football. So that defense is um, is lights out. I want to talk about another quarterback that I think has flown totally under the radar this year, 
And I don't really know why. Like I, When I think of young quarterback conversations that we've had in the media, a lot of it has been centered around Zach Wilson. He likes MILFs. Like, hey, that's kind of cool. Zach Wilson and older ladies. That was a thing. Now he's been benched and he sucks. And he's wearing his hoodie on the sideline. We've talked a ton about Justin Fields. Justin Fields, I think, deserves it. Like the way he they've finally shaped an offense around him. He's ran around. He's making plays. Chicago sucks, but they're a ton of fun to watch because Justin Fields. There's another guy that I just I feel like is totally off people's radar, and I don't really know why. And it's it's funny because he was considered the best passing prospect that we've had since Andrew Luck. Like this dude was the biggest can't miss prospect that we've had in the better part of a of a decade. And it's Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. And so if you have not been following, they have won two of their last three. They beat the Ravens, came back and won that game. He got hurt against Detroit. They no-showed, and they got smoked. And then they, they beat the Titans in Tennessee. Mathematically, still alive in the AFC South race. They're only two games behind the Titans. Ooh, They need to keep winning, though. Uh, they, got, they got Dallas at home. But Trevor Lawrence talked earlier this week about some of the stuff that he's noticed people saying about him and kind of his driving force. Here's Trevor Lawrence earlier in the week. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a few of those moments um, really in my career so far. But I think at that point, I remember, I, I'll never forget how I felt in that locker room after the game. You know, obviously it wasn't a good day for me, and I really just felt like really – it felt like that a couple times, but none more than after that game. Really felt like I let the, the team down. You know, should have won that game. Um, I think we had lost four. That was our fifth one in a row. So I was just, I remember, I never forgot how I felt in that locker room. So I don't want to feel like this anymore. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, one, start taking care of the ball. But two, I just want to be the player that I know I can be. And I think that kind of flipped a switch in me. And, obvi- and, and honestly, too, I think uh, I have a little bit more of a chip on my shoulder now. Just because you know, last year and a half, I don't, I don't really forget what what's been said and um, what people have written. And now, you know, you see people change their mind after a couple of weeks. And uh, but I, but I, but I remember everything, you know. And I don't use that necessarily as my only fuel, but definitely use that. And I think that's something this team's done. You know, we kind of remember how what people were saying when we lost five in a row. And then we've won some big games now, and um, people kind of change their mind quick. So we just have that same mentality. Uh, that we're just out, we want to prove you know how good we can be every week, and uh, I think that's been the cool thing about this team. They lost five in a row earlier in the year. The last one they lost in that stretch was the game to Denver that he's talking about there, and he he was bad in that game, really bad. He threw two picks, 130 passing yards. Denver does have one of the best defenses in the league, but he was he was awful in that game. And it's it's interesting to hear him say that and kind of how it turned the corner for them. So they've won three of their last five since. His numbers in those games, his we were just talking about Geno Smith and how he's kind of tailed off a little bit in the back half of the year. Last five weeks, uh, Trevor Lawrence has the best QBR and QB ratings that he's had all season. They have, again, won three of those five games. He has thrown 10 touchdown passes and no interceptions. 10 touchdowns and no interceptions. And I, this, to me, is just flying totally under the radar because he's the number one overall pick. He's an elite prospect. And I think to a certain extent, this is the this is the fault of Urban Meyer. Like that giant douche canoe came into the NFL, thought he could coach at the highest level. He can't because he's a fraud. And it it ruined it took away a rookie season from a guy that was supposed to be the second coming of Andrew Luck. And I will always be pissed at Urban Meyer for that because I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan. I've liked him from his time in Clemson. He seems like a really level headed kid. Like I love the stuff he said coming out in the draft. And watching him finally develop 
as a like prospect. We we do this with Herbert a lot. Like if you could design a quarterback in the lab, like Lawrence is that dude. He's six six. He's two twenty two thirty. He's big, he's got a rocket launcher for an arm. Like he has everything that you want in a quarterback. And finally, he has a coach, and you can see it coming together. He's only thrown six picks on the year, twenty touchdowns and six picks. Such a difference from year two to year one from where he was. And I I think this is the most untalked about story in the NFL that Trevor Lawrence. An elite quarterback is figuring it out, and look out for Jacksonville because they're coming. It was obvious Urban Meyer not not only didn't know how to coach an NFL team, really didn't know how to handle an NFL quarterback or, or to try and grow. I mean, nope. you're giving a, a first-time head coach in the NFL the really uh, one of the best projects that you've seen in the league in the last 10 or 20 years at quarterback, and you're telling him go? No, that's not going to happen when you get a quarterback that actually has a coach that knows what to do, Doug Peterson. People didn't like that hire at the beginning of the year. I loved it. As soon as he got hired, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good for T-Law. This is going to be a great season. So as much as you hate last year and you poo-poo on that, I actually think that it's good for Trevor Lawrence and his overall makeup and development. He was so good at Clemson. He had everything handed to him. Adversity develops character, and I really do think that winning quarterbacks, it's why Tom Brady is so successful. It's one of the reasons people point to, because he had a lot of people to climb over, and he had a lot of motivation, and I think last year gave Trevor Lawrence some motivation, as opposed to like coming out of Clemson, you're on top of the world, you want to be the best, of course, but it's a lot harder as a human being to get out and actually go do that after you've been basically handed the keys to everything for the last four years of your life. I think it's a really good point, Jordan. Like, If I were an NFL team drafting a quarterback high, one of the first things that I would look for is your character and how will you handle, handle adversity. And you're never going to be able to know that because it's you know, you're know you doing interviews. and The ask, Wonderlick doesn't give you that. It doesn't give you yeah. that, right? But to your point, a lot of these guys that get drafted early are guys that were the best quarterback ever in high school, the best quarterbacks in college football. They usually come from big time programs where they don't lose games, if at, you know, one or two games like an entire career. And all of a sudden you go to the NFL and guess what happens a lot when you get drafted by a team drafting number one, number two, or number three overall? That team sucks. You're gonna get your teeth kicked in, and not everybody can handle it. Not everybody can handle the pressure. Like Jacksonville's still not a very good team. They're a little bit more relevant. The only reason they're in the playoff chase is because the AFC South sucks and Tennessee's in first place at like eight and six it's or bad, yeah. seven and five, whatever the hell their record is. Like that's it's the only reason they're about. still in the mix. But I think to your point about his character, like it's shown that you can battle through that and you can overcome that. And there was a quote, I can't remember the, the Jacksonville player's name, but earlier this year, one of their linebackers, I think it was after they, so they came back and beat the Ravens. They went for two to win the game. They got the two-point conversion, and everybody loves Doug Peterson for that. He, big balls, Doug, got the win. And there was a linebacker on the Jags roster after the game was doing an interview and said he felt so bad for Lawrence because he didn't have a rookie season. He was like that, and this was a dude who played in Jacksonville last year. He's like, that's how bad last year was with Urban Meyer. This dude didn't even, like, he wasn't coached. He didn't have a rookie season. Urban Meyer's partying with hookers at a bar in Cincinnati. Like, we don't know anything. Like, nothing's happening here. And so this is essentially his rookie year, and you're starting to see the development. I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just in a bubble that's not paying as much attention as some. Uh, but to me, I think Zach Wilson has got a lot of attention. Justin Fields has got a lot of attention, and both rightfully so for differing reasons. I think Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville are just flying right under the radar. And if this dude continues, they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. It will take a massive collapse by Tennessee for them to not win the division. This is just one of those stories that you file away of like these teams that come out of nowhere. And you're like, where the hell did last year, where the hell did Cincinnati come from? It's like, well, they drafted an elite quarterback. They surrounded him with talent. He's got a good coach. He stayed healthy. And look at that. They end up in the Super Bowl. Jacksonville could easily be that team next year because I think Lawrence has that kind of talent. Um, all right, I want to get to the, the Vegas Bowl. Beaver fan, how you feeling? Are you all fired up for tomorrow? 
503-250-1080. I want to start diving into the Vegas Bowl. I am excited. It is a it's bowl season officially. It all kicks off today, so we'll start talking some bowl games in the Vegas Bowl. That is next. First, here's Jordan with sports. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the ALNA Sportsbook. On 1080 The Fan. Funny text. Somebody said, uh, maybe the reason it's so under the radar, it's because nobody gives a rat's ass about Jacksonville. It's like, yeah, that's... I think the city probably has something to do with that. It's a valid point, though. It's like, kind of like the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Yeah. Of, of Major League Baseball and the NFL, yeah. Like the forgotten teams. Who's that team in the NBA for you? Ooh, that's a good question. Who's the most forgotten team? In, like, oh, yeah, I forgot about them. You know <laughs> who it probably is for me? Huh. The Wizards. I'd say the Magic for me. Magic, Just yeah. Just because it's so geographically far away <laughs> and you're not thinking of anybody but the Miami Heat. Like, oh, yeah, the Magic. Uh, Bull Bull's having a good year, man. He's balling. Good for him, man. It's nice to see a former Duck like that, even for a season. You think they they have a chance to get the number one overall pick because they are they are really bad and they might get the number one overall pick? Can you imagine Bull Bull and Wimbayama in the same lineup, dude? Seven like three, seven two, whatever the how tall they are? Are You kidding me? And a nice Jalen Suggs complimentary piece to the <laughs> yeah. third score. Yeah, they'd be one of the top four teams dude. in the East pretty quickly. That'd be so fun to watch Bull Bull and Wimbayama playing next to each other. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, delivery drivers. I did want to read one. We were asking what what's the worst job? By the way, on the poll question. I gave four different options. Retail is running away with it. People people even saying, I worked retail and I've worked some of these other jobs, and having to deal with people makes yes. retail the worst. Like, being a delivery driver sucks, but at least you're, like, out on your own, headphones in, hopefully listening to 1080 The Fan. Huh? Let me say, I'm a 20-year UPS vet. Uh, thank you for the treat basket. They're much appreciated. My record for a single day delivering packages, 425 stops, 650 packages in 14 hours. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me, man? Whew, that's a lot of packages. Um, okay, a couple of quick things to get to. We will get to the Vegas Bowl, I promise. Some news just came across the wire, and this is fitting because we were just kind of highlighting, talking about this guy. Uh, and I, I might have to text Kevin Todd and see if he wants to change his pick. We have a different starting quarterback for the New York Jets this weekend. With Some news just came across the wire from old Adam Schefter, and that is that Mike White has not been cleared for contact before Sunday's game, uh, and he will not be cleared for contact before Sunday's game against Detroit. The Milf Hunter. The Milf Hunter is back. Zach Wilson back in the lineup. This just went from a game that I was excited to watch to even now more excited to watch. I can't wait to watch this game. That dude been pounding on the sidelines for the last couple of weeks. Last time we saw him, he threw all his teammates under the bus. I cannot wait to watch this game against Detroit. 
I'll text KTC. He, he was he's hammered. He said game of the year for him was the Jets and Lions, and that was before we got the news that Mike White wasn't playing. So I imagine that he's not quite as confident anymore. So that just came across the wire. I do have to ask, like we're in the trust tree. I got to ask a question real quick, and feel free to make fun of me. Anybody that wants to make fun of me, you can go ahead. I'm an open book. Am I weird for being really excited about watching a 13-year-old play golf this weekend? Is that, a, is that weird? I don't think so. Okay. It's the same reason we want to tune into the Little League World Series. It's fun to see <laughs> accomplishments by young, like, up-and-coming stud athletes. So the PNC Championship is happening this weekend. For those that don't know, it's a tournament that happens uh, every December on the PGA Tour where it's a family thing. You play with, you know, a PGA player plays with a father, a son, a brother, a wife, whatever, right? And so it's it's Tiger and Charlie weekend, and oh. I I am irrationally excited for this. Okay. I just saw highlights of him pulling up in the parking lot. Somebody tweeted it out talking about his head covers, and it's like, I can't wait to watch a 13-year-old play golf this weekend. And there's NFL football. I got Damon Luca tonight. I, I feel like I'm 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 out on an island, but it's okay. I'm okay living on this island. I'm just I'm gonna I'd rather watch that than the World Cup if you want to like Jordan we, we want to watch this 13 year old golf. You can't do that, man. You're Cup soccer final. guy. You're soccer. Oh, guy, I'm okay? soccer. I'm sorry, I can't. You're you right. got an hour and 17 minutes left of being soccer guy. I need a soccer expert in the final hour because I don't know what's happening. All right. If there's any soccer guy out there, text us or tweet us because it's the World Cup final this weekend, and I need to know. I need to sound like I know what I'm talking about. So if you have any facts on the World Cup, fire my way. I just I saw that I got distracted. I'm I am irrationally excited to watch a 13 year old play golf. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Tiger and Charlie are teeing it up this weekend, and I can't wait. All right, let's get to let's start diving into the Vegas Bowl and bowl season in general. We will get to Carter Baines coming up top of the hour. Uh, Beaver Blitz, he is in Vegas, so we'll get kind of his primer. What's he hearing about Florida and how many guys are left and do they want to be in Vegas? Were they out at casinos until 4 in the morning last night? Carter Baines coming up top of the hour. Justin Hopkins, a scoop duck. He's going to join us at 8.15. Reportedly a really big recruiting weekend for the Ducks. Who's in town? Where's the concern over Dante Moore? All that. We'll talk with him at 8.15. And don't forget to get your fake sponsors in for Spraying the Line because that's coming up at 8.30. Let's start diving into Oregon State, Florida tomorrow morning. I'm excited. How you feeling, Beaver fan? That's next on The Fan. This is a football Friday edition of Dirt and Spray. The on 1080 The Fan. All right, Carter Baines coming up top of the hour. Beaver Blitz, he's in Vegas, brave enough to wake up early in the morning after being in Vegas to come on the show, so we appreciate that. Maybe he never went to bed. Now, you're you're he assuming not, that yeah. he, he actually slept. We had a Beaver Blitz folk. Uh, they 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 didn't answer our call yesterday. Angie Machado did not answer. She, she got into Vegas the night before. Sprague was like, hey, can you come on the show? She said, yeah, come on, and then we went straight to voicemail when we tried to call her in the morning. So we'll see if that happens back-to-back, Daves. Come on, Beaver Blitz, we need you. And uh, Hopkins coming up at 8.15. Get your fake sponsors in, 503-250-1080. It is the start of college football bowl season today. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited is Jordan Schultz for bowl season? 9.7. You're a bowl guy. I love bowl season. Really? Well, because I already, I'm a Christmas guy. I love the holidays. And and part of that for me, I mean, obviously all the family stuff and getting fatter and and just the Yuletide joy and everything. (laughs) Yuletide joy, getting fat. Love it. I love it. And (laughs) along with that means college bowl season. And especially 
especially with the pandemic kind of throwing things off, our sports schedules have not really been regular until like this last year. So especially in 2022 going into the new year, I uh, I am a huge bull guy this year. Okay. Are you in like a bull pool? Do you gamble on these games or you just enjoy watching them because it's like, hey, last time we're going to see college football for a while. I'm not in a pool. I definitely, it's a nice extra chance to play some cash on, actually I think some lines that you can sneaky make some good money on because there's guys that are out guys going to the nfl not really as easy you know for vegas guys to to make those lines so i love bull season just to watch and to make a little cash but i don't know if anybody if you want to put me in and you guys got a pool going here hey i got a pool going yeah you got you got 40 40 minutes to get into it so i'll, I'll text you the details sure i'm down the first game is kicking off at 8 30 this morning it is uh, it is miami ohio and uab catch the fever that is the Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl. Okay. And I'm a UAB Blazers fan today. Huge. You're a big on UAB. They're an 11 point favorite. That's a big line. And then you get the 12, uh, the noon game on ESPN. That is the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. Okay. Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. And uh, that one's in Orlando, UTSA, and Troy. Two teams that are ranked. Troy's ranked in the top 25. How about that? Fun fact for you. Wow. Uh, UTSA is favored by two and a half. The, the one that I think I'm excited for this weekend, you do get a trio game tomorrow. Pac-12 is included. So Washington State's playing tomorrow. They're on ABC. That is the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. That's a 12-30 game. They're an underdog to Fresno State. For those, We didn't really talk about it much. Uh, their offensive coordinator left. So Eric Morris, I believe is his name. He just bounced and took like the North Texas job. And if, for those who don't know his story, he came from Incarnate Word. He was a head coach at Incarnate Word. Washington State with Cam Ward. They kind of were a package deal. Cam Ward was asked about it this week. He was like, dude, I was shocked that the guy took the job. I was shocked that he left. He said, I can't blame him. It's a life-changing decision for him to go be a head coach. But after being in, in Washington State for one year, uh, he has dipped out. So they're now in the process of finding a new offensive coordinator. He's a Texas guy, too. Texas guy. He's yeah. going home. I, you know, I get it. You get a chance to go be a head coach. Um, I do I do ask the question I asked is kind of with Dillingham to a certain level. Now, Arizona State's obviously a bigger job than North Texas. But is it better to take the jump at the first job you get or build yourself up and maybe in three, four, five years you get an opportunity to go coach a program where it's not a total rebuild and you have a better chance to win? So I mean, there's two ways you can go about it. So he's gone. So Washington State's playing tomorrow. Uh, you do have bowl games on most of the day. Boise State also play tomorrow. The one that I'm excited for is Oregon State. And I saw, you know, we'll talk with Carter Baines a little bit more about the ins and outs and what Florida's bringing to the table and all that here at the top of the hour. But, you know, I, we were talking about this briefly yesterday and a Beaver fan had texted in saying something to the effect of they feel like this is a lose-lose situation. Florida is without so many players. Oregon State is a double-digit favorite. If you win the game, it's you were supposed to win the game. And if you lose the game, it's, Oh, God, how the hell did you lose that game, right? So I, I do understand that to a certain extent. I wouldn't get too, I'd too caught up, though, in the narratives around, um, you know, how much you win this game by or what the outcome. As long as you win this game, I think it caps off a tremendous season for Oregon State. They, I would imagine, have a really bad taste in their mouth from the way they ended last year. Like, Oregon State ended their long bowl drought. They got they went to the L.A. Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, like we were just talking about. They played Utah State. Everybody thought they were going to win that game, and they got – it wasn't pretty, man. Utah State kind of ran all over them. They just no-show. They had too much fun in Los Angeles. And for a team that hadn't been to a bowl game in a while, you figured there was going to be that level of buy-in where they're jacked up and ready to go, and it just didn't come to fruition. And so I would imagine that left a bad taste in some of those guys' mouths. And, you know, I've highlighted the stat a number of times. Oregon State only has two 10-win seasons in the history of their program. Twice. They both happened this century. The last one was in 2006. The other one was the Fiesta Bowl year. 
This is a chance for your third 10-win season in program history. I think when you get to a benchmark like that and you're going to have kind of your moment in the sun tomorrow, because I think people are excited for the Vegas Bowl, the, Oregon State is picking up more steam and more attention as we go into the offseason. I saw a viral video yesterday uh, from Max Brown, who's a former college quarterback, and he does some stuff, I think, for the Pac-12 Network. Uh, but he bounces around to different networks and that kind of stuff. And he was he did a video basically saying, if you're a transfer quarterback on the market, you're in the portal this year, why is Oregon State not your number one destination? You have a good head coach. You have a good defense that has proven to be a good defense. Uh, you, have a, you have an offensive scheme that can run the football. It's going to take pressure off of you. You're going to play in a small, kind of sleepy college town where there's not going to be big spotlights and big attention. You can kind of go, just go to work, go under the radar, get what you need to get done to get to the next level in the NFL. And, oh, hey, by the way, they just rebuilt their stadium and they're going to have a brand-new stadium next year. And it was a great point of, like, yeah, I mean, of all the other, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of all the other teams looking for transfer quarterbacks the way that I do at Oregon State because I don't follow other programs like I do the Beavs. But they have a chance here. Like, you get to 10 wins, you finish your season with a win over Oregon, you beat a team from the SEC in the Vegas Bowl. That is all sorts of momentum uh, going into the offseason and a chance to then go lure a transfer quarterback and then kind of build on that going into next year. I, I don't look at it as, as a lose-lose. I think Oregon State is going to beat the absolute breaks off of Florida tomorrow. I, if I had to do a confidence pool of bull betting, Oregon State minus 10 or minus 9.5, wherever you're getting the line, would be my favorite pick of the entire bowl season. I'm not sure they're going to cover. I, I think they're going to win easily. I, I just, I, man, I've gotten beat by so many backdoor covers this year. So I'm just scared that uh, Oregon State 10 and then they win only by eight and I get screwed. But it's not like they're not going to win. They're going to beat the Gators down pretty easily. And what you're talking about as far as like a quarterback coming in a little sleepy college town situation, it seems like a perfect fit for Ugalele. A per- yeah. It just, it's screaming, hey, come over. Brush off what happened at Clemson and wear another orange jersey and, you know, ride the rest of your college career out having success here in this place where you've got a quarterback or a former quarterback as a head coach and a great coaching staff that is going to give you every opportunity to succeed at Oregon State. So excited there. And it's a double-sided coin here. You know, I do think they're going to win tomorrow and get that 10th win of the season. Going to be awesome. However, at this point going forward, it's going to be expected to get to the bowl game and probably win for Oregon State. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No. but, But that is going to be something now program standard that's changing in Oregon State for sure. Well, I mean, I get to that, you know, you jokingly had a thing that fired a lot of people up when Oregon lost to Washington, and you you know, disappointing failure of a season, you're right, we can argue semantics there, and there's a lot of old Duck fans that will say, like, how dare you? How dare you? Do you not know how bad this program used to be? And my response to that, well, I differ from your opinion a little bit, and I wouldn't use some of the verbiage that you used. It's true. I think it's a good thing that you've gotten to the point where you can view a season like that as a disappointment. Like that, with raised success levels you have raised expectations and what is you know a a good season now is different than what was a good season in 1987 like things change expectations change and for Oregon State I'd say that's great like that you should expect more always expect more from your program and they show that they I mean from the the stretch of the Fiesta Bowl until Mike Riley kind of crumbled there at the end and he ended up going to Nebraska didn't finish strong but you look at that, you know, 1999 to 2000 and whatever, you know, 12 stretch that you want to go to. That's more than a decade of football where Oregon State was essentially winning between seven and nine games every year. Relevant. The whole Relevant. Time. They had two different chances to win the conference. Like, they, you've shown that you can do it there. They just, they got to the bottom of the barrel because of Gary Anderson, who buried everything. And you've had to dig your way out. Jonathan Smith has done, uh, 
has done it. So to your point, I think if I'm a Beaver fan, I'm fired up that there's raised expectations. I want to be disappointed in a 7-5 and five season. You don't take it with a grain of salt. You still watch your bowl game. You, you support your team and all that. You're not calling for a coach to get fired. That's a great spot to be where you can look at next year and say, hey, maybe we don't get a transfer quarterback, lose some of those close games. We go 7-5. and five. I'm pissed we went 7-5. and five. That's a good place to be because if I told you five years ago you'd be pissed about a record like that, you would take it in a heartbeat. So expectations are changing, and I think it's a good thing for Oregon State. And, and just quickly to all those old people out there, all right, we've come a long way from the toilet bowl, <laughs> like a 3 nothing like Civil War score in the 80s, all right? We are supposed to want better and bigger things for our teams. How you can come down on me and they accuse me of not watching the Oregon Ducks before 2009, which isn't true. I had season tickets in the late 90s and early 2000s. I can name every quarterback back to Danny freaking O'Neal, but we won't play that game. We want more for our teams, all right? That's the idea. <laughs> Raise the expectations, man. we got a lot to get to in the final hour. Carter Baines will kick it off from Vegas. We'll talk a little bit more about this matchup between Oregon State and Florida. Uh, Justin Hopkins at 8-15, big recruiting weekend for the Ducks. Uh, so I'm just I'm getting out of the way and letting some people talk about things that they know a lot about. And so Carter Baines first, Justin Hopkins second, and then we'll spray the line at 8-30. Get your fake sponsors in 503-250-1080. Loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and spray on 1080 The Fan. If this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.